0: You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 85. So have you ever Googled something only to realize that it doesn't exist? Now, I know it may seem totally crazy for a search to return zero results, but that is exactly what happened to today's guest, Sarah Happ. While living and working in Connecticut, where freezing winters left her with perpetually chapped lips, she entered a Google search for lip scrub, but nothing came up. Seriously, guys, there's like a scrub for everything nowadays, but back then there wasn't. So she got to work creating one herself. And now today, Sarah is the go-to lip expert. Her products are sold in 400 stores nationwide and distributed in 20 countries around the world. And I personally love her scrub and love her and her refreshingly positive can-do attitude. On today's show, Sarah and I chat about what it takes to create something that literally does not exist yet. Spoiler alert: It takes a lot of hard work and dedication. We also dive into her transition from creating lip scrubs in her kitchen to running a multi-product beauty empire, including the ad- all the adversaries that came along in her way, what she had to do to convince people that this idea could actually work. I can't wait for you guys to hear from her because she is just amazing, and so are her lip products. The company that she has built is just really one to aspire from. So whether you have a passion for beauty, passion for products, or you have something that you want to take to market, this episode is going to be for you. You're going to be just inspired and you're going to get a lot of tips on how to scale your business too. So let's get into it, shall we? Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to our reviewer this week, and that is a strong voice in the sea of chaos. And they say, so, at some point in the last few weeks, I came across Julie's podcast and was immediately interested in what she had to say, especially after checking out her Instagram. Once I started listening and truly listening, Julie's voice became something that strongly stood out in a sea of chaos. There are a lot of people chattering about how to become an influencer, but Julie's voice is one of the very few that makes the road to becoming an influencer pretty clear to see and feel like it's an attainable future. Thank you, Julie. Well, thank you for you standing out in a sea of chaos and showing up and listening to these episodes because I could rattle along all day as much as I wanted to, but it really takes you taking the action to step in and to really listen and do the work. So props to you. And thank you so much for leaving that review. And now for any of you listening who have not left a review yet, What are you doing over there, man? Leave a review. Let us know how you feel and think and how you share this amazing podcast. We want to see those reviews. We want to share them on the podcast like I just did. And we want to give you a shout out too and tell you that you're freaking badass for coming on and joining us. So if you haven't yet, make sure to listen in each week and head over to the Influencer Podcast on iTunes and you can give us a review so I can highlight your review in an upcoming episode. And make sure to go ahead and subscribe to us and rate when you are over there already. And then, of course, please screenshot today's episode on your phone and tag me over on Instagram at Joel Solomon and our guest today, who's at Sarah Happ, and hashtag The Influencer Podcast because we love to see those screenshots, we love to hear what we have to say, we love to DM you and talk about it, and uh, we love to share those on our stories, too. So would love to see yours coming up today because we got a good episode, and I cannot wait to dive in. So let's get to it
1: Hi, Sarah. It's so
0: awesome to have you today. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. It's going to be so fun. So um, we can just dive on in. I would love if you would share with the readers just your journey. Um, I think that what you have brought into the marketplace is so unique. I cannot wait to talk about it and kind of see how you were able to just deal with so much adversity of of what is the beauty industry with your amazing products. But take us back to the beginning of the conception and the idea of wanting to create Incredible lip products, which, by the way, your lip scrub is my favorite thing in the entire world. I literally have it in my shower. I use the peach. The peach peach Bellini is—it just I could like eat it. It's so yummy. So yeah, take us back to the very beginning of where this idea came from, and then how you were able to mind and grind it to actually be not only a product but an award, like an award. Winning
1: product. Oh, so I oh got things mind and grinded. I'm going to have to use that one. I'm going to just steal yeah. that. Thank you. Yes. Um, so I'm kind of someone recently used the term like um, cubicle escapee on me. And I thought that was really <laughs> cute. I had a job at ESPN out of college. This was quite a long time ago. But uh, I worked at ESPN and I was surrounded by all these people that loved sports so much. I could do sports and I could do sports journalism. I went to school for broadcast journalism, but my love, like what I, my hobby, my love, my passion, what I read about and watched and and was excited about and spent my money on, was beauty. So, like at night, my coworkers would go home and they would watch Sports Center and Seven Games, and I would take a bubble bath with like you know candles and lotions and potions and all that good stuff and read Allure and In Style. And I realized I wasn't doing they were doing what they loved and I wasn't doing what I loved. Mm -hmm. So the really, um, the kind of tipping point for me was that I kept reading beauty editors say, exfoliate your lips using a wet washcloth or a toothbrush. And Julie, I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, there is a product for everything in the beauty market. How is there not a lip scrub? And this was 2005, so I'm taking you back like 13 years. No lip scrubs. So if you googled that in 2005, nothing existed, which gave me chills. Right? Like if you Google something today, like you can go, you'll find anything. Right? Right. Um, right. Yeah. So there were none, and I got this fire in my belly, Julie, and I was like, okay, if this doesn't exist. I can make this myself. I know what this has to do and I know the ingredients that I want and I know exactly the results I want because I don't want chapped lips anymore. And I want to get this skin off and I don't want to bite it and I don't want to toothbrush it. Like that's weird. So I went to my kitchen. Exactly. A horrible idea, especially when I had like a scrub for my feet and my hands and my face and my body and a Clarisonic, you know, like it made no sense. So I went to my kitchen, made it myself. And that was the easy part, frankly. That was the easiest thing I ever did. It took about two weeks. It was the easiest, fastest thing, because I knew exactly what I wanted. It was sugar and these juicy, delicious essential oils like grapeseed and jojoba oil and all these yummy things. And it worked. And I was like losing my mind because I was using it every day. And I knew that if there were if I was like obsessed with it, there were probably other girls out there like me were obsessed with it. So that was the easy part. You asked what the hard part was. The hardest part was. So I was in Connecticut at the time. I lived in New Haven, Connecticut cuz ESPN was based is based in Bristol, Connecticut. So I was going up and down like the east coast asking cosmetic labs, giant labs, small labs, like labs that make product for the really big guys and labs that claim to do indie brands. I was asking them to make this product with me. Like, Hey, you guys, I made this in my kitchen. You don't have anything like it. First of all, sign this NDA because it's a really good idea. And Julie, nobody would talk to me. Like they were all, the answer was the same across the board. You're adorable. Um, this is so cute. No, we've never heard of this. And, oh, and that's,
0: it's already so like degraded, like you're yeah. so cute. There was
1: so much, this is, so, you're so cute. And so this was 13 years ago. I was, you know, like 26 and I was, I was serious. I like, I had a product and I had like legal paperwork to back up what I was doing. And mm-hmm. I'd incorporated and all of this stuff in the hopes that I could bring this stuff to market, but no one would listen, frankly. And I said to them, Hey, there's a girl named Sarah Blakely and she cut pantyhose um, the feet off of her pantyhose because she couldn't find anything to work the way she wanted. And now it's called Spanx. And they Mm -hmm. were like, yeah, you know, but like inventions rarely come along. Like that's not, you know, like they were like, we can make you a lip balm. We can make you a lip gloss. And they showed me all the brands that they worked like. We make lip balm for this person. We make lipstick for this giant brand. Their other thing, their other point of, um, contention for me was, If these big guys haven't asked for it yet, that means there's no need for it. Mm. And I was like, like, wait, no, it's the opposite. If it doesn't exist, there's a hole in the market. It's white space. It should exist. Make it with me. My goodness. Like, please. So it finally took one guy in New Jersey. It was so frustrating, Julie, because I was using it. I was sending it to my girlfriends. I was sending it to like, you know, people that didn't even know that they wanted it and they were obsessed with it. I'm like, no, I know this is good. So I finally found this one guy in New Jersey and he was like, I like this. This is just crazy enough for me to think that it could be good. And his problem was, he's like, Sarah, we don't have the machinery to make this. It doesn't exist. Like what you're asking for from a chemistry perspective. Then we brought in the cosmetic chemist, right? his lab and he was like, the chemistry that this is going to take to make this in say, you're making this in a mixing bowl. I was making it a mixing bowl at home. He was like, what it's going to take on a machine that makes 10,000 pounds of product, that machinery doesn't exist because you're looking for these five chemistry components and nothing exists for that. Mm. I was like, oh, well, that's a good answer. You know, like that you're at least taking me seriously. Right, right. And he said, so... I said, let, let me just tell you this. Like I was like, take it home this weekend. Here's like, t- I gave him like 20 lip scrubs and I'm like, take these lip scrubs home to your wife this weekend. Pass them out at soccer. If all those women don't love it, like you don't have to worry about your machinery. Just forget it. Like, don't call me back. And he called me Monday, Julie. And he was like, my wife and all of her girlfriends and their daughters were going bananas. I have to find this damn machinery now. So that was it. And he we broke a lot of machines. I'm talking like incredibly expensive machines <laughs> from like Germany um, trying to get this stuff made. But I told him, I was like, I, thank you for believing me. And I promise you that this is going to hit and I'm going to get to pay you back for all of that machinery with a gigantic purchase order. Mm. did. But it was really getting people to buy into the notion that this one girl in New Haven could have an idea that like this gigantic business with like the Max and the L'Oreal's and the Lauders and, you know, know, all these big brands hadn't hadn't heard of or thought of yet.
0: Mm. And how many pitches would you say Oh my god! That you had to do, and how many no's did you
1: hear before you got your one yes? Oh my god! Probably like twenty five, and I'm talking like I would literally go to these places. Like I'd call for a meeting, and they'd be like, "Yeah, we don't really meet with like individuals. Like, what do you like? What's your company?" And I'd be like, "Well, it's Sarah Hap. I'm me. I'm I'm a person. <laughs> like, oh, who are you with though?" And I'd be like, "Me," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. So I would. I'd be like, "Listen, I'm going to be." in your area on Tuesday, can I come see you, you know, in New Jersey, in New York? Um, Like I spent so much time. So it was pro- I would say between 20 and 25, like knows and in-person knows. And then one yes in New Jersey got it done.
0: And then how did you find, I mean, cause again, you said this is 2004. So there's obviously Google. Did you just Google these companies? Like yeah. how did you find them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was Google. It was all just late night Google. And when you, when you love something that much, you know, it's like, It's like if you're a mom and your child is sick, you'll just do anything to find the answer. You know, it doesn't matter. And so I was so convinced that this stuff was so good and it deserved a space that I just, I I mean, I geeked out so hard. I geeked out on like cosmetic chemistry. I geeked out on machinery. I geeked out on how this, how I thought that this should be made so that I could bring it to a chemist and say, listen, I hear there are these challenges. This is the way I think it should go. I just Googled like crazy and I researched like crazy. And I didn't know anybody in cosmetics or in beauty even to reach out to. So I didn't, you know, I, and I was also, I had a full-time job. I was like working a lot for ESPN. So this was like so a- This was like your, your side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so totally, to... it was totally my side hustle. And um, so I didn't, it's not like I could, you know, devote a ton of time to it, but any free time I did have nights, weekends. Like if you asked anybody that was close to me at the time- What I was doing on the weekend, I'd be like, I'm home in front of a computer, googling stuff, or I'm I'm learning about the FDA regulations on parabens and why we should (laughs) them. Yeah, and it's so it
0: started with the scrub, and then and then what happened? So the guy called you, and he was like, okay, let's let's make this lip scrub that doesn't exist in the marketplace and that we don't have a machine for. What were the next steps, and 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 how long did that essentially take from the production
1: to marketplace? Yeah. So I was, I I continued to make it in my kitchen and I sold it from my kitchen to five stores here in LA, like wow. small stores, like one at the Brentwood Country Mart, like one in the Palisades, one in Studio City, just these small indie boutiques. And so holiday of 2005, I was selling a lot to these five stores. Like they were selling out, I was shipping more. They were selling out, I was shipping more. And I hired a publicist in New York because I was like, okay, this is serious. Like there's this weird demand. It's small, but it's weird. This is, it was a very good, being from LA, I went to USC here in LA. So being from LA, like it was It was encouraging that the Brentwood Country Mart and like, you know, this boutique in Studio City was like, they were just burning through this stuff. So, I hired a publicist cuz I really do believe in PR and I didn't have money to buy ads and I just really at the time I'm dating myself but this is like pre my this was pre Facebook. This was pre Etsy. This was pre social media, really. So like right. all you needed was the beauty editor at InStyle to write about you and like your website could crash. Right. You know. Um, so I hired a publicist and in early 2006, we met with, you know, God, like 30 beauty editors in three days in New York together. And I made everything at home. Like I brought, I was like baking <laughs> the weekend before And I had a broken finger and she was like, I don't care. Like figure out how to stir with a broken finger. Just don't get blood in the product. Like, just <laughs> get here. You can't reschedule. So I had a broken finger and I was like making like, you know, hundreds of lip scrubs to bring to these editors. And it was amazing because every editor said some variation on the same thing. And these were girls, like I knew who these girls were because I read the masthead, you know, like I went to journalism school. Like I wanted to be right. these girls, you know? Right. So I was meeting these beauty editors and I was like, hi, I love what you did on like, you know, <laughs> skincare last month. And each of them- Which said, they probably loved because it was like, you you
0: genuinely knew the content that they created. You knew yeah. these magazines. You weren't just like- I want to just, I want to be in this magazine to say I'm in this magazine. Like you, you really saw the value in, in building that relationship with that media outlet and what it could do for your product.
1: Yes. These were my heroes. Like beauty. I love beauty editors. I was just on a call with Elise, um, my publicist yesterday and we were going through like, you know, who works where and who's now with who. And like, I, I love these girls because they write about what I love about, you know, like, and, and journalism is like my heart and soul. So I, I got them very much. Um, and I was so excited to like be in InSail's offices and be in Allure's offices. You know, it was like Disneyland. So they all said the same thing, which was so encouraging. I've never seen anything like this. I've never even considered anything like this. And why didn't I think of that? Mm. And I can't wait to write about it.
0: for sponsoring the show. So I didn't know...
1: This is where like not knowing what you don't know can be really helpful. Again, my background was broadcast journalism at USC. I did not go to business school. So I said to my publicist, hey, can we give People Magazine an exclusive? Like, Can we tell them we'll ask everyone to please not run a story after a certain date? I want the most eyes on this as possible because I think we're going to put the lip scrub out to market. I think it's going to hit the press and I think people are going to knock me off immediately. And I'm just mm-hmm. me. So I want as many eyeballs on this as possible. She mm-hmm. was like, it doesn't really work that way. She's like, you can't really tell Like Harper's Bazaar not to write about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so instead, instead she... It was really good friends with the girls at People. And she was like, listen, this girl's obsessed with you guys. Can you just put a fast track on this? And sure enough. Right. First look or something. Yeah. She's like, just get this in there. So so they wrote about me in April of 2006. And my publicist called. And she's like, I was in New York at the time. And she's like, go down to like the nearest deli. Pick up People Magazine. It just hit. Like you're in it. And I got home that night. And my website had crashed and we had thousands and thousands and thousands of orders and emails and I lost my mind. Like I couldn't, even, I couldn't even believe it. And people was the first one to write about us. Like they did it really fast. And that is when I was able to go back to my lab in New Jersey and say, turn it on. Like we suddenly we have sitting yeah. on a lot of credit cards right now. So like turn it on, let's go.
0: And, and then within that year, mm-hmm. I mean, did you have, and I guess back it up a little bit. Um, so you, you said like, you didn't have an MBA, you didn't have a business degree, you mm-hmm. had a marketing degree, journalism mm-hmm. degree. Um, did you have any investors? Did you have any, I mean, you don't have a chemistry degree. Did you have a creative consultant? I mean, other than your publicist, mm-hmm. did you have anyone else who was either creatively or financially supporting you through this? Or No, were you no, kind no. Of, like, I
1: No, I used my own, I used my own savings. I used my own, like, God, I think I put in like 10 grand or something. And then I raised $19,000 from my USC friends. So everyone put in like, you know, two, so maybe let's say 10 people put in a thousand dollars. And that was, you know, that was like a first, we call like, it's like, I guess a a raise of like $19,000. And that was, I took that money and I sent it straight to the lab and was like, here's a down payment on my first purchase order. Turn it on.
0: Yeah, which I guess nowadays would be like a GoFundMe page, essentially.
1: Yeah, totally. It'd be like Kickstarter, GoFundMe. Yeah. So I know I didn't do that. Mine was just an email to some friends where I'm like, hey, I did this thing. Do you want to kick in some money? And so today I still own, um, I own 80% of the company. And then my daughter, Julia, is five years old and she owns 10%. Oh,
0: that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. so now we're we're in two thousand and six. You've been written up by people. Mm-hmm it blows it up thousands of orders mm-hmm. so yeah so how did that kind of come about to where you know the lip scrub was in the marketplace it was doing great but then you knew that there had to be something more to come after that with the products that we now see you know you having to date with the slip yeah. and the bombs and yeah all
1: of the so stuff. i've always loved lip products um i've just always the first thing i remember buying as a little girl was a strawberry lip smacker that's like the first thing i ever spent my own money on so lip products have always been something i am the girl with you know i was the girl with 20 twenty lip balms and glosses in my handbag always but i had a notion that lip glosses and balms whether they were from like CVS or bergdorfs or target were dehydrating and i got emails from people saying okay i love the lip scrub i scrub my lips every day they feel so good but what do i use after it and i would just write back with whatever i was using at the time But I knew that I wasn't giving the best advice because I knew that these things were dehydrating. And I talked to my chemist and I talked to four different labs at that point. And I was like, am I right in thinking that lip balms dehydrate and lip glosses dehydrate? Like what's in my bag? Like, does that all dehydrate? And they all just said like, yeah, oh, 100%. It's like the waxes and the alcohols. Yes, they all dehydrate. So I compare it now. Like I'll go on QVC today and I say using most lip products is the same as like drinking Coca-Cola like Coca-Cola tastes delicious, mm-hmm. but you're, you're going to be so thirsty afterwards because you're drinking sodium. So when you use most lip products that are out there today, there are waxes and alcohols in there that just dehydrate your skin. So that's why men and women say to me all the time, Sarah, I'm addicted to my lip gloss. What can you do for me? So Mm -hmm. I set out then to solve that problem. So we were making, I was making lip scrubs in six different flavors with my fantastic lab. And just, that was just sort of this machine that we were able to kind of, was able to do that pretty much on my own. And we were being supported by all these boutiques, um, like indie boutiques across the country, which was incredible. And the press was incredible to us, but I took three years then. And three years is a really long time to work on one product in beauty. Like you, Nothing could take three years. I always say, like, you can have three BBs in three years. And I birthed a lip balm, (laughs) you know? But we we took three years. I took three years and came up with the Lip Slip, which is today, it's our number one best selling product. And the reason it's our best seller is that it is unlike the formula is unlike any balm or gloss out there. It really, truly hydrates. It really, truly stays on your lips. It really, truly sinks in. And like when you, if you put it on at 8 a.m. when you leave for work or you leave to take your kids to school or whatever, you come home at 8 p.m., it's still there. And it's really pretty. (laughs) I can say so myself.
0: Yes. I, I love it. I actually, I love to scrub, um, and and then you you put that balm on. I have the Lux balm. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if that's the original one. Yeah, but, it if um, it's in a
1: pot, yeah, that's yeah. probably the original, the lip
0: slip. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah, it's amazing. Thank you. I love it. I love Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, that was
1: that was the real tipping point for for me was take going from like a lip scrub brand to suddenly we have this product and we have like quadrupled our sales with it because everyone is buying a lip scrub and a lip slip. Now it's a set. Um, um from there then it's just been years of Setting out to solve every lip problem I have heard over 13 years. And I know exactly what to do about it. Everyone has the same 10 problems that I hear over and over and over again. And no one is thinking only of lips. All we do in our office all day, every day, is think about your lips. And there isn't a brand out there that's doing only that. So I say, I want to do one thing and do it perfectly, and that is lips. So our chemists, only focus on lip care, they only focus on lip treatments and everything we do is the goal is to put out first to market lip products.
0: Mm, I love that. Um, okay. So I want to talk about QVC a little bit yeah. because I want to know how, how that happened. Oh, man. So you're in the marketplace, you're selling, you're selling, are you still selling to boutiques at the time or have department stores picked it up? Are you doing e-commerce or is it kind of a mixture of, of all the things?
1: We, um, we Nordstrom amazingly brought us on in 2012 and right around that time, which I'll love them forever for that. And blue mercury, which Mm-hmm. Um, is expanding rapidly now. They brought us on around the same time. So we had all of these amazing indie boutiques, mostly like female owned. Think of like, you know, you're downtown in the cutest store that's downtown that's, you know, owned by some woman who's local. That's that, that's our bread and butter. That was our bread and butter for a really long time. And it remains a really big part of our company and our business and like my heart and soul. Like there are women mm-hmm. today Like There's one woman in Portsmouth, New New Hampshire named Annie Loomis, and she was buying it for me when I made it in my kitchen. And today she's still one of our top retailers, like in the middle of this beautiful coastal town in New Hampshire. She crushes Mm. it. (laughs) So there are people like that buying. Nordstrom brought us on. Blue Mercury brought us on. And that was giant. And we've just, we've always been, my focus has always, we've always been really small and scrappy. It's been me and maybe like a salesperson and like a seasonal publicist and um, just done things really small. And my goal was to be like profitable every year and to put money back into the company. Um, So QVC called a few times, but I was like, you don't know how little we are. Like, thank you. But Mm -hmm. you don't, I don't think you understand. Like, I can't fill your purchase orders. I need to focus on like my stores. So what happened, and this is something I was just talking to one of my girlfriends about this the other day. QVC is such a fascinating business, but there are a lot of people that claim to like know how to navigate it well that don't. Um, Mm. But I had this wonderful girl reach out to me like two and a half years ago. Her name is Sarah Schaefer. She was a buyer at QVC and then she started her own consulting company and she talked to my head of sales um, Shannon Stuber, who also went to USC with me, who was the first store to ever carry me in 2005 at her store called the beauty closet in studio city. So Shannon has been with me literally from the start and I trust her like a sister. Um, Shannon kind of vets people for me. And Shannon was like, I love this girl. She knows what she's talking about. And she really wants you on QVC. And she's like, she knows how to do it. Right. And at the same time, Ali Webb, who's one of my good girlfriends, texted me and was like, I'm at QVC right now with Sarah Schaefer. Why haven't you said yes to her yet? And I was like, oh, those are two very strong endorsements. Okay. Right. So um, right. at that point, we had brought on um, our current president now. Her name is Peggy Fry. And she comes from digital. She comes from tech, her background. like She's from Netflix. So... I brought this to her and I was like, listen, <laughs> what are we going to do about this? And because I was still like at the office all the time, like running the company and right. you know our, our team was so small and I was like there every day in the office behind spreadsheets. And she was like, I've got this. You let me build us a really deep bench. You go out there and you do QVC. And that gave me the freedom to do it because it's a time commitment and it's It's a financial commitment, so you have to go Mm -hmm. all in, and then you have to have someone who guides you and helps you navigate it smartly. And we have that, so I get to go. I'll go there next week, um, and I go probably once or twice a month, and I love it. It's it's a wonderful platform for us to show like the immediacy of the lip scrub and the lip slip and the lip mask and the dream slip and our colors. Like it's such a beautiful platform to show before and afters and to connect with an audience that has no idea who Sarah Happ is, you know. Mm Yeah. It's like the best advertising and how, ever.
0: And how did QVC? um, Because you know, I, I think a lot of times because we're now in this, we're, we're in such this age of digital marketing and influencer marketing, mm-hmm. and QVC is very traditional. And I mean, it's it's a, I mean, it's it's you know, telemarketing in, in a lot of ways mm-hmm. on on TV. Yeah. And I think that you know, it's so traditional, but it, I mean, their audience are some of the most loyal audiences out there. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know how, how was being on QVC? I mean, you can't get kind of more targeted to middle America. I don't right. think than that. Yes. How did that um, transform your business? How did it help your business grow? How did it help your awareness
1: grow? Well, you just answered my question, Julie. Like that, that's perfect. <laughs> it's, that's exactly that. We were a very coastal brand. So if you lived in California or if you lived on the East coast, you knew us, but QVC reaches everyone. Like every, you'd be shocked at how many, I mean, like the states that they reach are just insane. And the viewership that they reach rolls so deep. And what they've done with their beauty game in particular, like they kind of have this, you know, perception, I think still like the stigma almost of like, it's like the weird cat lady with like 40 cats and she stays at home all day. What they've done with beauty is they have brought on these brands that I'm obsessed with. Like my friend Vicky's brand, Tatcha and Tula, and of course Drybar and Josie Marin and Philosophy and all these beautiful, beautiful brands, their beauty game is so strong. Like they'll beat Sephora any day in terms of what they offer from these brands. So what they've done is upped their beauty game and then taken that. To Middle America, so all these people in you know Middle America who do watch QVC, who do stream it, or um, like you know millennials now, like we watch, I watch it on my phone on the app. We're able to touch them in such a different way. So we're watching our sales on our .dot com reach states that we've never gotten orders from because suddenly people know who we are. It's powerful. It is a beautifully well-oiled machine. It's very, very, very powerful, but you have to know what you're doing to, to make it work.
0: Right. Right. For sure. Um, for any, anyone that's listening today that has a beauty product idea Mm -hmm. and wants to get it out into the marketplace, Mm -hmm. what would your advice be to them?
1: Um, test it first of all, like you may love it so much That's amazing. And if you really love it and if you think that it's different than what's out there, awesome. Grab like 20 people that you know and test it on them. Get their honest feedback and really ask them for honest feedback. I did that. I pulled together a room of like my sisters and their friends and um, my girlfriends and made them like fill out surveys and stuff, you know, like 14 years ago and got their honest feedback about what I was making before I brought it to stores. So I would say get feedback because there could be some really basic tweaks that you need to do before it goes to market or before you try to take it to a manufacturer that you can solve for first. But I would say don't be afraid. Like indie brands today have a strength that they did not have even five years ago. People are looking for newness and Etsy fuels that. Instagram fuels that. Everyone is aware that like amazing ideas can come from, you know, Shark Tank does that right? Like I've never seen Shark Tank because it gives me anxiety. But I know, like I read about the brands that they launch, like ideas can come from anywhere and from anyone. So don't think that you can't do it. You can. I would just make sure to like get, get some other feedback before, um, before you sort of try to take it to a, a manufacturer or get on Shark Tank or something like that and make everyone sign non-disclosure agreements. I've learned that too. Mm. Just keep everything private. And let people know you're serious yeah. about your idea.
0: Yeah, that's a great, that's that's smart. That's a great takeaway. Um, I want to talk about growing a business for a minute, um, because I think a lot of times, especially for new entrepreneurs, um, you know, new influencers that have a product, service, or idea that they want to market, um, a lot of times, and you even kind of mentioned this, that we can get very lost in being a one woman show, we can get very lost in working in our business mm-hmm. instead of on our business. Mm-hmm. How was the navigation of growing a team for you? What did that look like for you? What were some of the challenges that you faced and, and what did you kind of learn that, you know, throughout growing a business and, and seeing, you know, your products evolve in, into you having essentially a, a, an incorporation? Mm-hmm. Um, what would be kind of your biggest takeaway and advice to people that, um, are navigating that, that growth season with the team?
1: Um, I love that. My advice would be to know your weaknesses. Be very, very aware of and clear on and unashamed of your weaknesses. Like don't, know what you're not good at. Also know what you don't like. As much as you know what you love and you're passionate about and you're so good at, know what you suck at. For me, like I went to broadcast journalism at school at USC and I'm really bad at math like I hate building excel spreadsheets it takes me 19 times as long as it should so mm-hmm. i would say know your weaknesses and then find people around you and fill those fill those weaknesses with people that are a lot smarter than you are in that area and i just heard ali say something i just watched it in Instagram clip of her, she said something about using your resources. So perhaps you're not sitting on a pile of cash for your idea, but you may have a friend who loves you enough that will just build spreadsheets for you or would offer you legal advice because they're a lawyer and you're just starting up and you'll pay them eventually. You know, like I would say, use, I, I loved Allie saying that, look to people that you trust and ask them for their input. Um, to fill those holes that you're not good at filling. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a chemist. I'm not great at spreadsheets, but I know a lot about beauty and I know about how to market stuff. And I just, I play to my strengths and then I hire people around me to fill in what I don't know how to do, which is a lot. So our team is probably, you know, it takes probably 30 people to rut, to make our company go. And I'm one. And then there are 29 people that like kick my ass at other stuff. And we make this beautiful like symphony of you know what it takes to make this thing go,
0: thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of times too there's this misconception people just try to do it all themselves yeah. and think that they're gonna grow this major business and <laughs> it's like you're gonna hit a wall you know you can't you, you can't be a genius in, in every aspect of your business yeah, um, totally. you have to yeah part of investing in yourself is investing in a team, I think part of investing in your business is knowing when to hire out and not be afraid of I'm gonna, I don't have the money to hire someone out, or I'm gonna hire the wrong person. Like right. those you are gonna hire the wrong yes. person. Those things happen, <laughs> you know, and then you're gonna learn, like, oh, that wasn't the right person to yeah. hire. You're gonna learn to hire slow and fire fast. love like, that. But, yes. Yeah, but you have to actually make a hire in order to learn yeah. how to do how to do that. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. You know, it takes 30 people to to make Sarah Hap Inc. actually. Sarah, happy. Yeah, we're a tiny company. We're
1: so great. Right. You no, know, we're still so Indian. We're still so like niche and everything. And but it's still yeah. It's it's thirty people on a daily basis behind their computers, doing stuff. You know. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, I love that too. I love I love your your I love the um, higher slow fire fast. Yeah, man. Like it totally stinks, but. I've had to do it again and again, and you do. You learn every step of the way, and you do. You grow, and and it's it's okay. And you have to get used to used to that process. But I, I ran myself. I did this myself for too long. I just kind of kept my head down and worked really, really hard. And I felt like since it was my idea, I had to do it all. And like, I I shouldn't have. Like, I should have just reached out earlier. Um, I, that would be my thing. Is like, don't sit there and kill yourself over stuff that you completely suck at find a way to, to hire that, to outsource that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So can you tell us what's to come for 2019? Um, Are there, you know, as much as you can, new products, new things we're going to see things that
1: we need to get excited about um, what you're most excited about? Oh man. So we just had the most fun um, product development meeting last night. It was like I get so excited. I scream. I get like sometimes I cry because um, I just see stuff that we've been working on for so long like come to life, and it's I just lose my mind. So what we're working on now, what we always do is lip problem solution. So like, what's your lip problem? Here's the chemistry that we're using to fix it, and it's going to be really cute and really pretty and taste really good, and it's going to work immediately. So we have a few things coming out next year. They're going to take you step by step through what you need to do to have, like, the basics of perfect lips. Like, here's the basics. Here's the, like, I'm fancier and I appreciate good skincare um, regimens. But the goal for 2019 is to get it into people's heads that we need to treat our lips with the same care that we treat our faces and our necks and our body our eyes. We all use night cream, right? Like why wouldn't we have a night cream for our lips? None of us use the same skin cream during the day that we do at night. Everyone is obsessed with like keeping their necks looking good and their hands looking good and their body's like, why aren't we taking the same care of our lips that we do with every other part of our body? Um, so we're doing these highly specialized products that solve the problems that I've heard in treating your lips like skincare, like using serious skincare ingredients that are now being used in eye creams and face creams, um, and putting them into lip products, which isn't really being done right now and making them really yummy so that you do still want to eat it. I know
0: it is. It's so (laughs) edible. It's amazing. Well, Sarah, can you please let everyone know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your products? Um, so we can start to, uh, stalk you on all of those. Thank you. I would love to.
1: Yeah. So Um, our Instagram is Sarah Hap, S-A-R-A-H-A-P-P. I always say it's like happy without the Y, um, and it's shoppable of course. And then I'm Sarah Hap herself. So that's kind of like the behind the scenes. The Sarah Hap is like, you know, fancy and you'll see all of our new products and you'll get lip education. And then Sarah Hap herself is just my life. And maybe it's me at like my little girl's soccer game or it's, you know, my girlfriends and I out having a drink. I don't know. It could be embarrassing. and then you can buy our stuff at sarahhap.com. That's our website. And we just launched a new platform that's really lovely. And it also answers a lot of questions. So we, make our, we wanted to make our website a home for you, where if you have lip problems, we'll walk you through it on our website. Same with Facebook. Our Facebook is Sarah Happ, and we have a bot that pops up, and it will literally like, walk you through step-by-step whatever your problems are. And then I just learned that, like, coupon codes pop up on that, which is really fun. I was going through it the other day, and I was like, oh, my God, I just got 20% off. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. Um, So if you want the 20% off, everyone, go to the site. Go to Facebook. Our Facebook pod's amazing, yes. Uh,
1: But, yeah, you can do that. And then you can find it, you know, at, like, some of our favorite retailers are, you know, Blue Mercury and Crew and Nordstrom and Amazon Luxury. We love Amazon Luxury. QVC. Um, Yeah, but. SarahApp.com, I think, is a great. We want it to be like the home of lips. It's where you go with your lip problems, and we will help you.
0: Awesome. And then uh, one last question before we wrap this up: What does influence mean to you?
1: Mm, ooh, Julie, that's a good one. What does influence yeah. mean to you? I think influence is the way you make any person, whether it's one person or it's like fifty thousand people, feel after they've been with you or seen your face. Mm-hmm or experience mm. something that you made or that you did. So for me, like on social media, on my Sarah Hup herself, I never follow more than 140 accounts and they all have to, like, you know, the book Spark Joy. I love that mm-hmm. notion of like sparking joy. So every account that I follow has to spark joy in me and that I think to me that means that like everyone that I'm following like influences me in like a positive way or if their content is hard to take it motivates me in a good way Um, so I just think influence is like how you make people feel after they've been with you or touched you or seen your face or used your stuff or um experienced you in any way like in person or not in person just how do you make people feel
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for coming on and chatting with us today and sharing your journey. Um, it's been, it's been great to kind of get more of an inner glimpse into how you were able to build the amazing business that you have built. Um, and and along with all the incredible products. So thank you.
1: Thanks, Julie. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Wanting even more influencer podcast goodness and to connect with like-minded influencers, join our Facebook community for daily tips on how to up-level your business and chat with myself and other listeners. All you got to do is visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the influencer podcast to be a part of this wonderful community.